Let's just uh, sing that chorus one more time. I just want to be in the room. Let's go ahead and sing it. I just want to be in the room. Want to be in the room. When you move. Come on, church. I'm not leaving. Not leaving until you do. I just want to be in the room. Want to be in the room. When you move. I'm not leaving. Not leaving until you do. Sing one more time. towards you as we lift up your name God we just we acknowledge that something changes in the atmosphere that there's a there's a shift and so Lord would you just shift our hearts and our minds to be open and willing to to hear your word and to actually receive it not uh, just to hear it with our our minds but also to receive it in our hearts in Jesus name amen Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's give it up for our worship team. Thank you, guys. I'm going to jump right into, uh, we're starting a brand new series this month, and so I'm going to go ahead and just dive right in. I don't have any funny jokes for you. I don't have any long stories for you. Uh, I'm just going right into God's Word. Is that okay? Okay. They allow me 20 minutes to, to preach, so I got to go. Ready? So a brand new series, and we're going to be discovering the, the journey of the Israelites into the promised land. The Israelites. I don't know if you've heard of the Israelites. It's not a reggae band from the 70s. It's, it's, a, it's a, a group of people that uh, were actually promised land by God with Land that flowed with milk and honey, like the promised land, the place where we all want to be. And the Israelites were promised this by God. But I'd like to start with a little bit of history on who the Israelites are. They are a, uh, a group of people that um, were, a small, were small in number. And so small that they were actually found to be taken off the earth. And when you would enter Egypt at that time, there would be a big stone in the front of Egypt, and it would actually say all the different battles that Egypt has won, that the Pharaoh has won. And so when you went to Egypt, the Israelites would be one of those battles that Egypt had taken off the earth. It actually says that um, their, their stone would read that Israel's seed has perished. So they no longer exist. There's no longer any Israelites and they were a small group of people that were supposedly defeated by Egypt, and they no longer are on the earth. Egypt claimed this uh, many years before we have, pick up in the story of Moses, where Moses is saved as a baby to free the Israelites. 
So from the very beginning of the time, the Israelites were a small tribe of people, a, a collected group of people that were known for not conforming to the worship of idols. And they were a group of people that were wiped off the face of the earth. They didn't win very many battles. In fact, they lost so many battles that they weren't even supposed to exist. This is the start of the Israelites and God's people. God's people, as you read through the Old Testament, you see that the Israelites, the entire Old Testament is following the story of them being God's people. A small group of people that refuse to conform to the worship of false idols. I love starting with this as we look at the Israelite story is because you see that they're small in number and God doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about their numbers. They're not winning very many battles. In fact, they're known to lose so many battles that they don't even exist anymore. It doesn't matter to God. They lose battles. He sees a group of people that choose to not conform to the ways of worshiping false idols and says, I'm going to make those my people. That small group of people, I'm going to make them my people. They will be my people and I will be their God. And he is. As you follow the Old Testament, you see that the Israelites followed God and God was their God. God rescued them, he cares for them, he forgives them, he calls them, he loves them, he restores them, he gives them supplies. God's investment into the Israelites is just never ending. They choose to call him Jehovah, which is the original name of God. It's the oldest name of God. They choose to call him Jehovah, and Jehovah calls them his people. This is the story of the Israelites. Well, the Israelites were captured and enslaved by Egypt. And God raised up Moses in the midst of that to free them. Saved Moses from dying as a baby so that he could live among the Egyptians. And as he was living among the Egyptians, he saw the injustice being done and decided, you know what, I'm going to take this into my own hands. And he failed. And then he went out into the desert, and God spoke to him in a burning bush. He said, Moses, I'm sending you back to the place where you screwed up. How many of you ever had that before? <laughs> I'm sending you back to that job. No, I was joking. <laughs> I'm sending you back to that place, but this, this time you're going to do it with my power and my strength. And so God sent Moses and Aaron back to Egypt, and there's, uh, used them to actually perform plagues, which finally the Pharaoh was like, get these people out of here. I am tired of the plagues. Talking about like millions and millions of frogs everywhere. How many of you like frogs? This was one of the plagues, right? So <laughs> has all these plagues and finally the Pharaoh says, get these people out of here. And so he frees them. He lets them go. And so Moses is leading the Israelites and they make it to the Red Sea. And when they make it to the Red Sea, they have uh, water in front of them that they can't swim through, and they have the Egyptians behind them who decided, you know what, let's go get our people back. And so Pharaoh's leading the charge. So Moses is faced with water in front of him, and he's faced with the Egyptians behind him. And so he prays, and God actually parts the water of the Red Sea, and they walk across the dry land. And this entire time, Moses has been telling the Israelites, God's got the promised land for you. 
He's got the promised land for you, and I'm going to lead the way. And so God leads them across the Red Sea and actually closes the door of the Red Sea, and so the Egyptians couldn't follow him, couldn't follow the Israelites. So now they're on the other side of the Red Sea, and God has specific instructions. Here's what I want you to do to go check out the promised land. We're going to be looking at Numbers 13, 1. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan which I am giving to the Israelites. Would you guys go ahead and say, which I am giving to the Israelites. Go ahead and say that. Which I am giving to the Israelites. So send some men, some men, <laughs> to go explore Canaan because I'm giving you guys Canaan. This is going to be your promised land. So send some men over there to look at it. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These are their names. Shemua. And I'm not going to go in. If you read in your Bible, it gives you like the origin of each name and where they're from. But I'm going to kind of dwindle it down to save myself and save you. So we have Shemua. We have Shaphat, which he's the son of Snapchat. And then we have, we have Caleb, Egel, Hosea who Moses changed his name to Joshua before sending him. So we have Joshua, who used to be Hosea, and he sends 12 men to go look at the land that I'm giving you. And these are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. And when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through Negev and on into the hill country and see what the land is like, whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? Unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or is it poor? Are there trees in it? Do your best to bring back some of the fruits of this land because it had been the season for ripe grapes. So go check out the land. I'm sending 12 people to go look at this land which God has given us. And I want to know, Moses is looking at it from a military perspective. I want to know what we have to do to actually inherit this land. In verse 26, it says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community of Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them in the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land in which you sent us. And yes, it does flow with milk and honey. It's amazing. And here's some of its fruits. But, but, can you guys go ahead and say but with me? <laughs> but, how many sentences start with but, right? God's got amazing land for us. It flows with milk and honey. There's promised land ahead of it. But, but. The people who live in it are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go and take possession of the land, for it is certainly ours to have. We can certainly do it. Who's Caleb thinking about when he's saying we? The same God that parted the Red Sea is the same God that said, hey, go take the land. Go check it out first, and then go inherit it. So Caleb says, we should go do this. We can certainly do this. 
So Caleb was one of the 12 people, one of the 12 tribes. And, and I looked into this. So Caleb is actually from the tribe of Judah. That's the tribe that he was from. And that's what he was sent out of. And when I read about Caleb, what I think about is out of the 12 disciples, this sounds like Peter. If you read the Gospels, you see Peter's just always getting ahead of everything. We could do this thing. Like, I'll never turn my back on you, Jesus. I'll never deny you. Like, these are strong words from Peter. And I looked into it. So Peter is actually from the tribe of Judah also. So we have Caleb who's leading the way and says, what are we standing around for? We can certainly do this. From the tribe of Judah, Peter didn't get away from his, uh, from his tribe <laughs> all those years later. So Caleb silenced all the people before Moses, says, we can certainly do this. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And then they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those who are living in it. It's not even all that great. You know, it's promised land. I don't know what everybody else saw, but it's pretty bad. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And then listen to this last verse. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. So God promises this land. He makes a promise with his people says, I'm giving you this. And then what they come back with is a report of, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We can't do this. We don't have the strength to do this. Look at how small we are compared to them. That night, verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 says, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. <laughs> they were all excited about this promised land. They just crossed a, a Red Sea and here they are weeping. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, if we only had died in Egypt <laughs> or in the wilderness, and why is the Lord bringing us out here to this land to fall to the sword? Our wives and children will be taken and plundered. Wouldn't it be better for us to just head back to Egypt? Let's just go back. You know why? Because it's comfortable. You don't have to trust anybody. You don't have to trust in God. You could just go back to Egypt. And they said to one another, let's choose a leader and head back to Egypt. I'm done following this Moses guy. Let's choose somebody else who actually once is really concerned about our comfort. Doesn't test us, doesn't push us. And this is actually the start of the 40 years of the Israelites in the desert. From that moment on, God says, oh, is that what you want to do? Oh, you're grumbling. You don't believe in me? Well, then go find yourself in the desert. And he releases them to go find themselves. And they wander around for 40 years walking around in a hot desert. You think you have sand in your shoes or like a pebble, you know, just imagine every day wandering around. Have you guys ever been lost before? Oh, it's the worst. Thank you, Jesus, for GPS. You know, I'm old enough that I remember my parents laying out a map. We're going to Chicago and there's this map. Okay, so we take 80 and then 52, you know. 
Like, we just literally, yeah, um, Chicago, you know, done. The Israelites, 40 years, 40 years of wandering around the desert. They did finally get to go to the promised land. Guess which two of the 12 men were actually able to inherit the promised land? Joshua and who else? Caleb. Because sometimes you have to see something before it's there. And then if you see it, if you have faith in it, then it will actually happen. The rest of them went back and perished in the desert. The other 10 just wandered around the desert with the Israelites. The entire time, God's calling them back. Look, look what I could do for you. You could come out of the desert. But you choose to just walk around in the desert. That verse just really sticks out to me. Verse 34, it says, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Man, I can't do this. I can't accomplish this. I can't start this business. I, I can't lead these people. I can't lead my family. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. You know, all 12 of the people saw the same exact thing. They all saw giants. They all saw the same problem. It was only two of them that actually saw, this is something that God could totally accomplish. He's with us. We could do this. God is the one who gave them the land. They got scared and fearful when they saw the big people living in it. the 10 were able to turn the entire Israelites around to go live in the desert instead of go inherit the promised land. Do you know why that happens? Because fear sells. Fear sells today and fear sold, sold, sorry. <laughs> fear sells, how? Fear sold 4,500 years ago. Fear sells. Guys, let's just go back to Egypt. It's way easier Instead of walking in the promised land of God, they chose to walk in the desert. And so today, I just want to make an invite for all of us in this room. Do you want the promised land of God? Do you want to live in the promised land? Because it's accessible. It's doable. We can do this. Or do you want to wander around in the desert? Are you tired of the desert yet? Are we tired of the desert? Sick of living in fear. In relationships, God's promised land is bless those who curse you. Why, Jesus? Because I said so. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. God's promised land is bless those who curse you. Forgive those who harm you. Pray good things on those who say bad things about you. That's the promised land. That's the promises of God. In our relationships, God 
has a plan for your relationships. He has a, a plan for your life. And we can trust him in that. And it's a promised land. We don't have to go wander in the desert to try to find somebody to fulfill all the needs of our life. We can actually trust and wait on the Lord to do that. Can I get an amen? Because that's exhausting, trying to find somebody in the desert. And we could literally wait for the promised land of God when that perfect somebody comes our way. That's the promises of God. In our relationships, we can step out of the desert. Are you tired of the desert in relationships? Thanks, Jira. Isn't Jira so good? Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about finances. Your promised land with God. God has promises for your life. The Bible actually says, test me in this and watch if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven. If we tithe, God actually has promises that he wants to pour out on us. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. God's promises are in tithing. Tithing means 10% of your income. To actually trust God and go, you know what, God? I choose to trust you with my finances. Here's 10% of it. And watch if he doesn't come through. The reason we don't do that is because of fear. It's the number one reason we don't do that because that's really hard to do is to trust God with our finances. It's hard to trust God. But are you tired of living in the desert this morning? Are you sick of just trying to make the way and work harder and accomplish more and maybe if I work more hours and I'll finally be ahead and God says, you know what? I got you. Trust me in this and watch if I don't supply your needs. <laughs> You're tired of living in the desert. With trust, trusting God it says, Trust in the Lord your God, and He will actually supply all the needs of your life. Trusting others is really hard to do. In the Bible, when I read the book of Acts, I see this group of people that actually cared for one another. They truly trusted one another. They were in on everything in, 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 in life. And so there's a lot of people that say, you know, I trust God, I believe in God, but you know, the whole church thing or the community, you know, I've been really burnt before and it's hard to trust again. If you've been by have, has anyone else in this room besides myself been burnt by people in the church? Okay. God says that he wants to use the church as a body to care for one another. When I read the book of Acts, the first church looked like this beautiful community that they truly loved one another. They sacrificed for one another. But what that takes is it takes us trusting one another, doesn't it? And being a part of that. Are you trying to live in the desert and make everything happen on your own? Are you willing to step out of the desert this morning into the promised land of trust? So this is an invite today. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this. It says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened. So Jesus is inviting people to come 
to him, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I was thinking about that passage today and during first service and that rest. I think some of that rest, when you can't forgive somebody, it's hard to sleep. Can I get an amen? It is tough to sleep when you're holding on to grudges. But Jesus says, come to him and he will give you rest. How many of you had a hard time sleeping lately? You can raise your hand. So I want to pray for that. Just want to pray for rest right now. In Jesus' name, would you just close your eyes? Just go ahead. Holy Spirit, would you just give rest in places where people need it? Lord, I pray from this moment on, from this, from this Sunday on, that each person that just has had a struggle with trying to sleep, or even nightmares and night terrors of, of things that have been trying to attack their rest, I pray for a breakthrough in Jesus' name right now, that the sleep would be promised land sleep. No more desert sleep, but promised land sleep from this moment on. Just break off anything that would want to keep them away from a great night's sleep to wake up in the morning and feel at peace and feel rested. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus says, come to him, any of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest and take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the invite today to step out of the desert, come to Jesus. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. A yoke is actually something that you share with somebody else. It's a, it goes across both shoulders. And so Jesus says, you know, come with me. We're going to carry this load together. But guess what? When you do that, your yoke is easy and your burden is going to be really light because I'm with you now. And so we get to step out of the desert at any point in time and we get to step into the promised land. That's the amazing part about Jesus Christ is he never gives up. The door's always open. Come on in. Let's step out of the desert this morning. You know, I needed this, this message like, like no other this week. I really did. And the reason is, is because I've had a lot of desert talk lately. A lot of desert talk where I just look at a situation and I start, start speaking desert over it. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, I can't dream that way. Or I couldn't, I couldn't see how that would ever happen. And so the Lord just invited me to change my vocabulary from desert talk to promised land talk. You, you know, start speaking promises of God as opposed to speaking the desert over things. And so if you've had a hard time, you know, I, I lean into desert talk. It's really easy to find the right way when I'm... <laughs> when I'm only looking at myself and I'm a grasshopper in my own eyes. And so change the desert talk this morning, new vocabulary. The Lord wants to give that to us. We can step out of the desert just like the Israelites. We can step into the promised lands. We can be like Caleb and Joshua and say, this is the way, like God's got this. We can do this, guys. So I just want to invite you to do that. Let's just go to Jesus today and just say, you know what? I just want to take on your burden. Jesus, whatever burdens I have, I put on your burdens. It's light. It's easy. I give you my life. I trust you with my relationships. I trust you with every part of my life. Let's just do that right now. Come, Jesus. Come, Lord.
give us faith like like Caleb, Lord. Give us faith like Joshua. Give us give us words of wisdom and insight like Moses to to be able to see what you're doing and then to implement and to act on it, Lord. But most of all, Lord, we want to be like you, Jesus. And so we just choose to just take on your burden. We lay down everything else at the cross that that you will carry every aspect of our life. And so, Lord, we choose to trust you with everything. We choose to trust you with everything, with our relationships, with our money, with with our time, with our energy, with our investments. Lord, we choose to trust you, Jesus. And Lord, I just pray from this moment on when when desert talk or desert mindset comes over us, that we would acknowledge that and just speak into that. Nope, that's not the Lord. That's desert mindset. That's desert talk. I don't even live that way anymore. That we would actually acknowledge that. Yeah, I think there's some of us in this room too. I just want to make this invite. With, with substances, sometimes we just think that that's what we have to do to survive right now. And then I have to, oh man, it's, it's this time of the week and I have to use these substances because like that's the only way that I'm getting through the week right now. And so I just, I, I believe the Lord wants to rewire some substances, some substance abuses in here. In Jesus' name, that the Lord wants to rewire those, that that's desert mindset, that you can rely on Jesus Christ to get you through the week, that, that you don't have to use substances anymore. Any addictions, just rebuke those right now in Jesus' name. Step free into the promised land of uh, addicted free. No more addictions. You have your way, Jesus. Yeah, let's just do that right now. Just give them everything. Just make this moment in time.